I actually wrote an intro this time. Oh my god, queen. Alright. <laughs> King shit. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to this- I can't read. <laughs> I wrote an intro, but I can't read. Okay. We can start. Hello, and welcome to the third episode of It's Not That Deep, But Let's Start Digging. This week, it's Megan's turn to pick the topic, so I'll just let them explain it before I embarrass myself by saying something completely wrong (laughs) about whatever we're talking about. No, I'm pretty sure you would get it right, since the topic isn't your words after all, (laughs) as per our text message. Basically, just the topic is K-pop as a geopolitical force, as in just like the impact of K-pop, not just socially, but also like politically, culturally, but not... Not, like, culture, like, within culture, but, like, culturally around the world. Yeah, that's what the geo means. That's, that's the geo part of it. Okay, so I want to make a disclaimer for myself, specifically because I'm not East Asian at all. I'm Indian, I was born in America, so, like, I have no, like, connection to, like, the culture or, like, social society of Korea or anything, and I don't want to be, like, commenting on that because I feel like I will end up saying some questionable things. I'm not commenting or, like, saying anything good or bad about it, it's just what I see. And it's also not about, like, one group. Fans don't come at me. Like, fandom don't come at me. I'm not talking about any one or two groups in particular. Although, like, because of reasons, like, very obvious reasons, yes, a few groups will come up more often, namely BTS, will come up more often than other groups because obvious reasons. Yeah. A disclaimer for me would be somewhat similar. Like, I'm Chinese, I'm not Korean. To be fair, out of, like, China and, like, Korea and Japan, I probably know the least about Korea, so... (laughs) We're not commenting on, like, Korean culture or, like, how K-pop has affected people who are Korean in America or, like, in Korea. We're just, like, commenting on it from our perspective as... It's hard to say outsider because we're also not really outsiders because in America it's, like, even though I'm not Korean... Yeah. It is still, like, East Asian to people... In America, everything's the same, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but we're not, like, judging the culture, or we're not judging specific groups, and we're not gonna be listing our biases or whatever, mostly because I'm not into K-pop. I mean, okay, I will say I might list biases, but also my biases are very superficial and, like, very not actually what a bias is. It's literally just, like, I like this person's name. Yeah. This isn't gonna be an episode about the music or, like, K-pop as in, like, one group or, like, which groups we like. Yeah, it's not about, like, oh, I really like... I don't know, GOT7, right? That's a group. Yeah. So yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about. I admittedly know less about this than Megna. But also, okay, I will say the only reason I do know a lot about this is because I like almost hyperfixated on it for like three weeks where I, all I did was like research K-pop and not listen to K-pop music. No, that would have been normal, I feel like. I just researched Korean soft power and trends relating to K-pop globalization. So yeah, because I'm a nerd. I don't know, I just know less about it. A lot of it just comes from my own non-scientific and personal experience. I did try to read an article about it, and it did say a lot, and it was a very good article, but also, it also didn't teach me anything. (laughs) Like, I was like, okay, this sounds just like a lot of inference. Yeah, I I get what you're saying, because I had that same thing where I'm like, this is is helpful, but not at the same time. Yeah. To be fair, I also skimmed the article. It talked about the history of K-pop, and I was like, I'm not really interested in the history. I just want to know about it now. Yeah, no, I researched a few now, but a lot of the ones now are really focused on BTS, specifically because of Dynamite. Because, like, Dynamite is, like, giant, and so, like, everyone's talking about Dynamite, so, like, all of the articles I looked at were, like, BTS and the effect of K-pop, but I don't want BTS and the effect of K-pop. I want just the effect of K-pop. It's weird because even if you took it four years ago, BTS wasn't a big group. 
Yeah, and, like, a lot of the articles I read, too, were, like, I mean, there were Western articles, but, like, U.S. or Europe or, like, U.K., like, articles. And so, like, a lot of the articles I read talked about K-pop like it was a sudden thing that just, like, suddenly became big, which, like, I know to not be true, even in just my limited experience with it. All those articles I kind of took with a little grain of salt because it was, like, a little bit iffy. Yeah, it's weird because I know Big Bang did their last tour when I was in middle school. I mean, you were in middle school, too, but, like, when we were in middle school... (laughs) When we were in middle school, Big Bang did their last tour, and I remember there were articles coming out then about it, because, like, they're one of the, they were, they were one of the most popular K-pop groups, not so much anymore, but they were, and I feel like, from a Western perspective, it's, like, people are discovering K-pop as a thing every single year. Yeah, like, I feel like it's just very much, like, people just don't realize, which, like, honestly, I'm gonna be completely honest, I think, I mean, like, I'm pretty sure people know this, but, like, I think that if Dynamite hadn't been a fully English song, they wouldn't have gotten Billboard Top 1 or performed to the BBMAs this year on such short notice. Oh, is it a fully English song? Yeah, it's a fully English song. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying it's bad because it's a fully English song. I don't want people to come after me. I'm not saying it's bad because it's a fully English song. It's literally like, I listen to it twice a day because my mom loves K-pop. By the way, that's a thing. I'm just saying that it is fully English, and so, like, it does appeal to, like, people who only speak English, who, like, aren't into K-pop. Yeah. It's weird, because, like, over the past couple of years, I think it's BTS. BTS has broken a lot of different records. Like, I feel like they've broken their own records, too. They broke their own. I know the three I know. Yeah, the three I know is that they broke the most YouTube views on their own videos, most YouTube views in 24 hours. Like, I think On, I want to say, broke one, and then Idol broke that one, and then Dynamite broke that one. Yeah, so, yeah, so that's, it's been a thing, and, like, every time it happens, white people are always just like, oh my gosh, K-pop is such a huge thing, and I'm like, this already happened. <laughs> like, this is not new. And, like, okay, I think one of the biggest things, okay, this is, like, kind of, like, unrelated, but slightly related. Idol, specifically, I'm pretty sure it was, like, a really big deal, because, like, in the video, they pay a lot of homage to, like, Korean culture. This is also, again, like, this is from what I see, like, online. It's not like I watched the video and I was like, that looks Korean. That's not what happened here. But, like, they paid a lot of homage to, like, Korean culture in that video. And for it to be as big as it was in, like, non-Korean areas, it was a really big deal because even they talked about it in, like, an interview I saw where, like, they were, like, part of the reason they're so happy for their success is because they didn't westernize themselves, really. They, like, they stayed, like, Korean. Yeah. And then... I know one group that was really popular in middle school was EXO, which I haven't heard as much about since, and I don't really know what happened to EXO. Sorry, I'm so scared of people coming after me, but, like, EXO apparently, from what I saw, EXO had, like, a lot of, like, controversy surrounding them that, like, diminished their popularity. Maybe that was it. I remember there being controversy. Some of their members are Chinese. The four of their members were Chinese, but three of them left, because there was, like, a whole thing with China, like, not letting South Korean artists perform or something. There's tensions between, like, the countries politically, but, like... Oh, okay. I, I remember what you're... I remember that, yeah. Yeah, that, like, broke up the group. Or, like, they didn't break up the group. X is, like, still a thing, I'm pretty sure. But, like, Lei or Zhang Yixing, like, isn't allowed to, like, perform. Also, if I mess up people's names, don't come after me. But uh, he's, like, not allowed to perform with them because he can't be in South Korea anymore and he has, like, a really big career in, like, China. But there's, like, a whole thing. I know there was controversy before that, though, but I don't know. I don't keep up that much. I remember something about Chris Wu or, like, Z Tao or something saying that, like, 
they got paid less. I don't know if that's true or not. That was just like all rumors. Oh, I've never heard that. I've that heard... was just that was rumors. That's rumors. <laughs> don't yell at me. Nothing we say. Don't attack us for anything we say in this unless it's factually incorrect. But also, we're not saying anything we're saying is factually correct. <laughs> that's just our disclaimer. <laughs> Also, if it is factually incorrect, I actually do want to know. Like, I actually do really like, obviously, I like this topic. I picked it. But if I do say it's factually incorrect, if you're going to yell at me, at least, like, send me a correct source or something. <laughs> send the links. I need receipts. Wait, wait. Um, I said we should talk about, like, how we both know K-pop personally. Oh, okay. I don't know if you want to go first or if you want me to go first. Um, okay, fine. I'll go first, I guess. I mean, the thing is, like, yours is much more personal or mine is much more secondhand. That's fair, but, like, also, I don't know if mine's, I don't know, because, like, okay, I wouldn't say I'm into K-pop, because I have friends who are, like, into K-pop, but, like, I wouldn't say I'm into K-pop like they are, because, sure, like, I know a lot about the groups, but, like, I know a lot about the groups as a byproduct of what I was researching. Like, I didn't actually research the groups, and also because of my mom. That's fair. Yeah, my mom, my mom has watched a lot of K-pop videos at this point. So, like, basically, I got into, like, K-pop through, like, I guess, because I used to watch, I watched The Untamed. And then one of the actors in The Untamed was part of a K-pop group or C-pop group, like, when he was, like, coming up, like, his, at his beginning. And so, like, I went through that, and then I got into, like, researching K-pop. I know K-pop very recently, at the beginning of this year, like, February. I have friends that are, like, into BTS and, like, Blackpink and, like, went to concerts and stuff, but, like, I never did. And so, like, I guess me personally being into K-pop is literally just this year. Okay. My story is a lot longer than that. <laughs> Yeah, that's why I was like, maybe I'll go first, because mine's really short. Okay, but um, yeah, I think I was first aware of K-pop again in middle school, so 7th or 8th grade. Uh, my friends were really into K-pop, and as I said in our pilot episode, I grew up in a very like Asian city, so a lot of my friends were Asian, and a lot of them were into K-pop. A lot of what I know about K-pop sort of just comes from them talking about it all the time, and then... I don't know. Like, my friends are very into EXO. Like, that's why I know a decent amount about oh, EXO okay, is because okay. my friends are really into EXO. And one of them made me listen to one of their albums. It's the album with, like, the gold. It's, like, black, and then there's, like, gold text or something. I think I listened to the Mandarin version of it, though, because I was like, I don't really want to listen to K-pop, so I listened to the Mandarin version. And I don't even remember what I thought of it, because it was just, like, such a, like, non-thought. Yeah, yeah. A lot of them went to concerts, though, because I know... One of my friends and her sisters went to the Big Bang concert, which is why I know about that. After middle school, though, I moved there for freshman year. I was friends with, I was sort of friends with, I don't really think we would consider ourselves friends that year, but I ate lunch with a few people who were into K-pop. They were Asian too. I learned a bit from them, but I don't think I learned that much. I think they were also into girl groups. So I learned more about girl groups through them. Oh yeah, I know nothing about girl groups. I, like, only know about Blackpink. I know a little bit about Twice, I think. <laughs> the, the main girl group under JYP, I know that one. But I only know that they're the main girl group under JYP. I've watched a few Twice videos. But yeah, so I know a little bit about girl groups as a result of that. And then I sat with these people for two and a half-ish years. It wasn't consistent. And there was an incident where they, we ate outside at the beginning of the year, freshman year. And then they all went inside to go eat. 
Oh. And I was like, I don't want to go eat inside. But I sat by myself outside for a good amount of time. And then I went and joined them inside. So it wasn't like consistently like every day I heard about K-pop. But it was like this group of friends who talked about K-pop a lot. And so I picked up a lot from them. It's also how I know about BTS specifically and like all their records. Because one of our friends um, who we talked about in the pilot is super into BTS. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's like my personal experience. I've seen quite a few music videos. Not a ton. I pretty much only saw like the BTS ones that came out while I was friends with the people in high school. Yeah. Because they would watch it at lunch. And then so I would be like, okay, I might as well watch it. And then I've seen, I don't remember who it was, but I remember my friend recommended me one because it looked like an anime opening. It like does look like an anime opening. Does it really? Wait, which, do you know which one? I have the, I have the note written down, but I don't know which one it is. Okay. Yeah, I feel like this is just, like, I have a lot of secondhand experience over, like, the last six years about K-pop. Yeah. I will admit, I did get into K-pop more because of the music videos, specifically. K-pop music videos are, they're perfect. Like, they're literally the best music videos. People are gonna attack me for this, but I watch K-pop music videos with the sound off. Honestly, that's, like, valid, though, because, like, again, people are gonna attack both of us for this. I probably should just stop saying disclaimers. (laughs) K-pop music videos are great, like, not because of the music, though I feel like the music is, like, a big part of it. But, like, the actual video itself is also, like, a good quality video. And, like, the two aren't necessarily, like, related. Besides the fact that like, they dance to the music sometimes. Some videos more than others. Yeah. And, like, yes, I understand that, like, the budget that K-pop music videos have is, like, a big part of the reason why they're so good. But it's also just, like, they're thought out. Like, they are well thought out. And they're, like, the production is amazing. Like, the whole, like, the editing is awesome. Yeah. They're, like, literally a short film. It's, like, a, it's like a student film. They're, like, movies, but, like, three minutes. Honestly. No, I, I, I meant student films as in, like, artsy student, like, Sundance films. Okay. Yeah. People in real life are, like, why don't you just listen to the music? And I'm, like, I'm not interested in the music. And also, I don't know if this is just because my knowledge and, like, what I've listened to is very few songs. But, like, I just don't like the music. Like, okay, this is going to come off like I'm a BTS fan. The thing is, like, I wouldn't call myself a BTS fan. It's just that I've listened to most of their music because, again, like, we have that same mutual friend that keeps showing us BTS songs. And she's the only person I know that was into K-pop. So, like, that's all the exposure I got is really just BTS. But, like, out of, like, the albums that I've listened to for, like, BTS, because also, oh, by the way, actually, this is good back. Me and her used to go on, like, trips, like, week-long trips together and stuff for, like, competitions. We would room together. And so that's all I would listen to. Like, it wasn't just lunch every day. It was, like, a week of living together. Which, like, I'm not saying is a bad thing. It just wasn't my music. But, like, I would listen to it all the time. So I do know a lot of it. And something I learned, she figured out my preferences. But, like, BTS has a lot of songs that, like, aren't necessarily, like, poppy, in my opinion. They have a lot of, like, really... And I don't know if it's just... Like, I'm really not sure if BTS is, like, an exception or if it's in other groups, too. But, like, there's a lot of songs that I heard that, like, weren't, I wouldn't classify them as pop. Like, there was, like, a lot of, like, really, like, rap-heavy songs, and there was, like, a good amount of, like, rock-inspired songs. I wouldn't say they're rock, but they're, like, really rock-inspired. Personally, my favorite thing that she showed me was August D, the mixtape. It was very familiar to me, because it was the same type of rap that 21 Pilots does. I do like K-pop, I just don't listen to it very often. Yeah. Personally, I think K-pop has a lot of, like, rap and hip-hop influences, and I don't listen to rap or hip-hop, so... That's fair, yeah. 
No, it, I think it does. I agree. I'd agree with it that. It frustrates me. Like, this is literally just my personal preference. This is not me attacking K-pop. But it frustrates me when they're, like, singing and then they stop singing to, like, rap. Like, this isn't, like, all music. I just do not like it when you stop and, like, rap in the middle of a song. If you're gonna rap, rap the entire song <laughs> or just rap at the beginning or the end. Like, just don't do it in the middle. Just It's literally just personal preference. Like, I understand other people like this. I just can't. You're definitely gonna get attacked for that. That's like every K-pop song. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why I know I'm gonna get attacked for it because my friends dislike it when I comment that, and I'm just like, I just don't like that. I don't mind it. Sometimes I do see it. Sometimes like in songs where like it's like really abrupt, like everything changes. Like it's a different song for the rap, and then it's a different song for the singing. And I'm like, but why though? But then sometimes I'm okay with it. I'm also a very um per like I don't listen for like the vibes of the music or like the genre necessarily i listen predominantly for like the lyrics yeah so if the lyrics are good if the music is bad i'll still sort of forgive it and k-pop has like very repetitive lyrics as well i think that's at least from my experience i'm gonna get so attacked again that's also that's another reason why the august d mixtape is my favorite thing because it's like from what i heard from like the making of the mixtape is just like sugar or yoongi whatever you want to call him, it's just him, like, not complaining, but, like, him, like, talking about, like, his life and, like, what happened, and so it's, like, very, like, personal. Really, Like, of course, I can't understand it, because it's really, really fast, and it's in Korean, but, like, I went through and I found the lyrics in English, because I was interested, and it's, like, really good lyrics. Like, I find a lot of the lyrics, a lot of the times the lyrics are a little bit repetitive, and, like, kind of the music is just for the vibe, which is not bad. That's, like, if you're into that, you're into that, but I do find there are a few not a few, but I do find there are songs in K-pop that have, like, really important lyrics or, like, really personal lyrics at the very least. Yeah, I mean, that's true of all music. It's just that in K-pop, it's more prevalent. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Especially with the bands that I would say are the bands, the groups that aren't at the top. Like, I feel like once you get higher, like, once you're, like, a BTS or an EXO or, you know, like, a Blackpink, you have more control. In my experience, like, researching it, you have more control over, like, what you produce and what you create. Yeah, because K-pop... I don't want to use the word manufactured, but, like, they're very manufactured. Yeah, I think that's why a lot of people, like, dislike it. They think it's, like, really manufactured, which I, like, I would agree with in a sense. It is, like, very, like, there is a pipeline for it, so it's not, like, as open-ended. Like, it's not as, like, you don't have as much creative freedom, I feel like, in the K-pop industry as an artist as, like, you would in the U.S. or the U.K., where, like, you kind of, not, you don't always own your own stuff. That's not always true. I do want to say that it's not always true, but it is possible for you to do it on your own. Yeah, and also in the U.S., I think, I, I don't really know how to explain it, but, like, bands aren't usually, like, seven, eight people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like NCT, which is which 23 people. I'm sorry, nothing against NCT, but there are 23 people. I will never be into them. There are too many. I cannot, I can't keep a class of 23 people straight for more than a semester. Yeah, like, so, like, K-pop groups tend to be larger in general than American or, like, Western artists. And also, Western artists, I feel like the pressure more comes from keep releasing music that the public likes rather than, like, you could just release anything you wanted, but also there is a thing where it's like you have to, earn money and if you go too far then people complain yeah that's fair i think a lot of the, like the same thing with like the groups being bigger in k-pop i think there's a lot of like in my opinion it's like a little bit strange like I, some groups like exo and bts and got seven in my experience the songs that i've listened to from them i feel like everyone kind of has a part but i feel like sometimes i'll listen to like groups for a while i'm not going to name any because that's going to get me attacked immediately um but i'll listen to some groups for like a while and i feel like some members just like don't have any 
like not any parts, but like they they're they're very visibly not as prevalent, which is also like just a byproduct of there being like ten people in a group, you know, like even in America, like water parks, the only person people remember is like Austin. Hey, but it's also like three people. So like if you really cared about water parks, you would know everyone in water parks. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like in America, the equivalent is sort of like the guitarist is the person that people remember. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I do. I do see that. I do have one criticism for like the idea that K-pop is manufactured just a little bit. It's not really like a criticism, but I don't think it's completely manufactured because I don't think that's possible. Like, yeah, because like also like they have to train for like years sometimes like to be an idol or whatever you have to train for like years and stuff. I just don't think anyone would do that if they didn't have like because like some people I've seen people say like that K-pop idols or whatever don't like genuinely like music or whatever. And I'm like, they're trying they're like they're doing like it's like army training like it's boot camp for years like, you're just training and it's like you can't do that without having some type of like genuine passion for it yeah especially since it's like boot camp for years and then maybe you'll get picked yeah like sometimes you don't even get picked like you're just doing it on like the hope that you'll get picked it's like the equivalent to me of like training for the olympics like, only four people are going to the Olympics at most in any category. But, like, specifically, like, gymnastics and figure skating, where you have to do it so young, too. Like, you have to start, like, super young. That's, like, not something that, like, you can do without having some type of passion for it, I think. Yeah. Anyways, um, I was, like, looking up, like, because, again, a lot of the articles I read were, like, specifically about BTS. And, like, some of them had some interesting, like, stuff in them. So I, like, kept some of the facts they had in them. Like, I think, like, a lot of the reason, because Korea, like, did I say this at the beginning? Korea is, like, investing in soft power, which is, like, what K-pop is. It's, like, economic power, pretty much, or cultural power, where you export your culture to um, other countries so that they'll they'll be interested in it, and then you get money as a byproduct of it. K-pop, K-beauty, if you've seen that in Sephora, there's, like, a whole aisle for it. Yeah, Korean, like, beauty products is a huge thing. Yeah, that's, like, another huge thing. Like, it's, like, K-beauty and, like, K-pop are the two biggest ones. BTS itself has brought in $37 billion for the next 10 years. $37 billion U.S. dollars. And I was like, but then that's, like, just one band. Um, This is sort of a byproduct of the fact that this is idol culture because... This is a part of idol culture, which makes it feel not like more manufactured. I don't know how to say it because I don't want to say like lifeless, but like one of the huge parts about K-pop is that you buy a lot of merch. This is like one of my criticisms about K-pop, right? Because it is a lot of merch and a lot of times it's like you can only order it from Korea or, you know, they like make albums and there's four different versions of the album. But, like, the thing on the CD is not different. It's just the packaging that's different. Yeah, no, like, some of them, I've seen, like, some of them have, like, like, there'll be, like, nine, like, photos that you can come with the album, but each album will only have one. So, like, people will buy, like, multiple albums to get, like, all the photos. That, it's not, this isn't, like, a manufactured part. This isn't really, like... This is more, like, a marketing thing that is kind of iffy, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the marketing things about K-pop that not frustrate me, but, like, makes me very skeptical about this. And it is part of, like, this quote-unquote agenda about exporting your goods and like exporting this culture and then having people spend money on it for arbitrary reasons like nine photos like do you really need nine I do feel a little bit like iffy about it because I feel like it's kind of I don't want to say cheap but like it kind of is it's just weird because it's it is like limited edition too I guess but it's just very weird for me as an outsider with friends who were into k-pop and who spent like hundreds of dollars on like one album merch and I'm just like why are you spending that much 
the albums aren't cheap. Like, they're just those, they're CDs. And if you buy a CD from, like, a U.S. artist, it's, like, what, 10 bucks, 10, 12 bucks if you're going to buy a CD? 15 max. F- yeah, 15 max. And I think I bought, a, I bought a bundle for, that was a CD bundle for Paris, I think. And that was, like, something like 20, 30 bucks with, like, an extra, like, hoodie in it. And, like, I, it just, it rubs me the wrong way when I see, like, people paying, like, so much money. And I understand the packaging's really good. They're really pretty. Like, they're really nice to have, like, on your shelf. And they're, like, collector's items. But, like, it just rubs me the wrong way when I see, like, people spending, like, hundreds of dollars on things that, like, ultimately don't, I would bet, do not cost that much to make. I've seen that, like, shipping, like, like, people always have to pay for shipping, which, like, also, like, just rubs me the wrong way. Because, like, I get like you have to pay for shipping, but it's also, like, these are big, giant companies. Yeah, so, in my experience, as someone who has seen other people be into K-pop, then it also K-pop becomes this thing where this is true of everything because we live under capitalism. But this is especially true in the fact that, like, Becoming a K-pop fan at some point becomes about how much money you can give these artists. Yeah. And having collections of sorts. And it's like, one, like, not everyone can afford that. And like, two, it's like, they sh- you shouldn't have to own six copies of the same album to be yeah. considered a fan. No, like, 100%. It's like, so... It, like, feels so gatekeepy, and, like, it's, like, the same idea that, like, to be, like, a fan of, like, of, like, books and stuff, you have to know, like, every single thing that happens in it, or, like, a TV show. Yeah. Which is just, like, kind of annoying, because it's, like, I don't know, it's just, like, weird, and it's, like, specifically for K-pop, I find it very, like, weird, too, because it's, like, you're not buying the albums for the music, because, like, the music you can find anywhere, and it's also, like, on a CD, which, like, the quality on a CD is the same as the quality if you're gonna find it on Spotify. Honestly, I'm going to be completely honest here. If K-pop groups came out with records or, like, vinyls, I would probably be buying some. I 100% would. Because, like, oh, so you know me. I have an issue. I like my vinyls. And the quality on vinyls is different. Like, it's a different sound when you get from vinyl to digital. So that, like, kind of makes sense to me if you want to buy, like, vinyls of a thing or, like, cassette tapes. But, like, CDs don't make as much sense to me if you're going to spend that much on them. Yeah. Though cassette tapes are out of fashion, so we're not well, going no, to they're going that. back and in. Also, it's weird. Vinyl, they're, they're... I'm not going to say is a Western thing. I mean, I'm sure it is, but like. No, I mean, like, it is a Western thing. No, no, I, I like, no, the thing is, like, I understand that. Like, I completely understand that. Like, I'm not saying, like, stop selling CDs. It's just, like, frustrating that, like, you push people to buy CDs with, like, the whole marketing situation. Whereas, like, and this might just be because I have a bias towards vinyls. I feel like it would be a little more justified if you, like, push people to buy stuff like that. Like, that's, like, actually different than the stuff you're releasing. Yeah, because then at some point it does become, like, you're spending $60, $80 on pictures. Yeah, like, that's just, you're spending $60, $80 on pictures and packaging, which is, like, also, like, a thing, like, when I see, like, here, like, packaging and, like, markups and stuff, my brain goes to makeup as well. Because it's, like, an issue in that type of space, too, where it's just, like, to like to be considered like a makeup lover you need to buy like all of the palettes that are big and the palettes are sixty dollars each and like you're not gonna use them you're not gonna use them and like same thing with k-pop albums who listens to all of their k-pop albums i'm sure some people do but i'm also sure a large majority don't yeah personally i do buy cds because i got into not like i got into cds but i just like listening to cds in the car and now i'm learning that they're getting rid of cd players on cars so now i'm just like what am i supposed to do with my cds i don't know my brother my brother used to buy cassette tapes because he had a cassette player in his car and then he got a new car and he was like but now i have all these cassette tapes 
Yeah, when I buy a car, it's definitely going to be one of the factors is I have to be able to play CDs. I also have CDs. I'm not saying buying CDs is bad. I'm saying pushing people to buy $60 CDs is bad because I buy so many CDs. I have a shelf of CDs in my room. I like my CDs. I wouldn't pay $60 for a single one of them. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. I think the max I paid for a CD is $20 because it had like a photo book in it. Yeah. I think the max I've paid is probably 15 Some of mine are, were gifts, though, so I don't actually know how much those were. But, like, the max I've paid is, like, 15 at a concert. And a lot of the bands that I listen to are fairly smaller bands. So I'm also just like, I understand. You need, like... You need money. <laughs> you need money. You need money. You need to live. Also, like, I don't know. It's a little bit iffy to me, a lot of K-pop culture. I might just be wrong. Like, I might just have not been able to find it because I was just researching incorrectly. But, like... When I saw about, like, actors and, like, stuff in Korea and, like, from what my mom has found, the payment of K-pop idols seems a little bit iffy to me. It's also, like, one thing to be buying a bunch of merch to, like, support someone that you, like, like. I do not know, like, I don't feel very comfortable, like, not knowing how much of that money goes to them. Okay, so this is an issue and this is a criticism in K-pop that has been happening for... A long time, at least since like six years ago when I first got into it, or not got into it, but like when I first started hearing about it. It's, it's similar to an American, like American music, where like you are signing on to a record or, or whatever they're called. Yeah, they're called records, a record label, yeah, like a label. Record label, right? You're, you're, you're signing on to a label, and then so they obviously control some of your profits, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But then in K pop, there is way less transparency about what it is especially since some of these people are like training to be idols and it takes them a very long time. So there is a lot of, there's a lack of transparency in a lot of these contracts that people are signing and what's going on. And it is questionable like how much these people are actually getting and how much they're not. Because also there's like an issue of a lot of K-pop idols' personal lives, especially the more popular you get, get sort of not scrutinized, but becomes part of like this image. Yeah. And so there's a lot of content released by the label about these people's personal lives and they they take video of them at their houses. And so then there's a question of like, but is this really where they live or is this staged or like what's going on? Like how much of this is real and how much money do these people actually have? Yeah, like because I feel like it gets to a point where like some of these idols that I've seen like feel very not fake. I'm not saying they're doing it like maliciously, but I do think there is like sometimes I see like where it just kind of feels very like commercialized or like sanitized like their lives just seem very edited for lack of a better word you know like like their life is the product which is like a little bit weird to me it's sort of like vlogging except they don't actually edit their videos yeah like that's the thing like it feels like it feels like youtubers like you know it feels like youtubers or influencers where like their life is their brand like less so because they do have their music and like that is the main part of their brand but like a lot of the fan service and like stuff like that with like their life and stuff it feels weird because it's while they're while they do like sign up for that like and like they know that this is probably like anything that might happen it's just weird to me that someone else is in control of that and not them yeah because i know in when they train to be k-pop people some of the things that they learn are about how to maintain a public image or like what their public image should be, and a lot of that is controlled by their label. And it's very questionable because, like, a YouTuber, right? Like, a YouTuber starts in their home, and yes, a lot of their lives is them editing and, like, whatever, but it is 
their choice to do it. Like, there's yeah, no... Yeah, like, it's not someone else telling them what they should be. Like, these companies aren't always, like, malicious in it. Like, some of them are... The decisions aren't malicious, but, like, they are things that are, like, marketing decisions. Like, I, Jackson Wang talked about it in, like, an interview he did in the U.S. where he talked about how, like, the reason why he started his own label, like, his own Team Wang label is because, like, he felt that his image being propagated by his company and GOT7 wasn't something that he felt was, like, true to him. It is, like, something that does happen, I feel like. And, like, not all idols can just go and make their own music. <laughs> yeah, so it is a... It, this, this has been a controversy for... Not a controversy, but this has been an issue and criticism for a long time that no one's really sure how to solve because we can't be, like, boycott X label or anything because then the only people who are getting punished are the bands and the groups yeah we can't really do anything as consumers except for point these criticisms out but it's also like how far can we actually go when these groups are not responsible for them it's not really the individuals it's like these executives and these companies who make decisions about how this industry should function and especially since it's such a huge force and it is a huge money maker at this point. Yeah, like it's already like a force in motion. <laughs> like... It's like video games, right? Like there's criticism right now about how there's too much crunch time and people work too hard and then people... Yeah, like video game workers aren't unionized, like that whole thing. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. But it's like different because like, like video game workers at least can unionize and like go against it. Whereas like even if like idols are being like mistreated and we don't know if that's true or not, I'm not saying it's true or not. Even if, like, idols are being, like, cheated or ripped off or whatever, they can't really do anything about it. Most idols, I feel like, don't have that much power. And there's also, like, the thing where, like, how much of... Blanket disclaimer, I'm not saying anything. There's also, like, this question of, like, how much of the music that groups make is their music? There was criticism around GOT7 that I saw when I was researching where like they didn't have like creative control for a while of like any of the music they produced because they produced their own songs but like they didn't have much control over what got released. Mm -hmm. There was a controversy about I don't know which girl group but it was a girl group where like the company like wasn't selling albums that were like proper like they were the wrong albums. It's like frustrating because it's like how much control do like they have over like their own creative process. Yeah it's not a lot. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I know it's not a lot, but it's also, like, it's weird, because, like, some, because, like, it, it, it's, like, it runs the gambit, too, and it's, like, really obvious that, like, some groups have, like, so much creative control, and some groups have, like, not at all. Yeah. And isn't there, like, a thing, I'm not sure if this is true or not, I'm not sure if it's true or not, but I'm pretty sure I saw it somewhere where, like, if you're, like, in a K-pop group that's, like, decently famous, like, you have, like, a following and stuff, and, like, you're making money, and your group is disbanded, you, like, immediately become, like, the same level of trainee as, like, people who, like, never debuted. I'm not sure if that's true or not. That confused me when I saw it. I've never heard that, so I cannot say, I cannot, like, confirm the validity of it or whatever. I've I, I heard that, but that's just, like, confusing to me, because I'm like, but, is they, but they made money. Yes, but I think... I think this comes back to K-pop being somewhat manufactured, right? And people becoming personas of themselves and not necessarily advertising they themselves, sort of like YouTubers, right? Yeah. And so groups in general, they have... Like, the reason people have biases is because each group member is different, quote-unquote. We don't know if those are, like, actual differences these people have or if these are, like, a marketing tool or whatever. But, like, this is a difference. So... If you leave a group or if you if a group gets disbanded, well, part of your role in that group was to have a certain image among other people in comparison to the other people in the group. 
That's true, yeah, that's fair. I'm not confirming or denying whether or not the trainee thing is true, but, like, I am saying... I thought I saw something about it on, like, Idol Produce... On, like, Produce 101 or something like that. Some Idol Producing show. Okay. Well, on a marketing perspective, it does make sense... Yeah, yeah, ...that yeah. once you leave a group, you have less power because part of your image was being part of this group and having a certain role in this group. Yeah, that do- yeah, that does make sense. Which, like, again, I don't know anything about individual K-pop members. Like, I can... I cannot tell you the members' names in, like, any single group. The only two I can tell you are, oh, you know, I can tell you three, because my mom is into three K-pop groups, and that is BTS, EXO, and Stray Kids. I don't know any except Chris Wu, who was an actor in something I watched. So, like, I know Chris Wu, but I don't- No, it wasn't even the same Chris Wu, it was a different Chris Wu. (laughs) There are multiple Chris Wu's. But, like, I do know that, at least from what I saw in middle school, was that people- have different roles in a band and then people have biases as a result of that and some of it in my perspective is very arbitrary and it feels like something that the label made them do but I'm not sure how true that is. No yeah no it definitely feels like I definitely understand that like it's also like the the bias thing specifically like I feel like it's very arbitrary because it's like sometimes like because I have friends that are into K-pop too and like they'll talk about it and I'm like but this is like something that just everyone like I'm so confused it it feels a lot like those personality tests that people take where it's like very arbitrary like you're what is it like I don't know what there's multiple I don't know what they they are called the Myers-Briggs personality test where it's like I'm I'm sorry I'm gonna come out and say it Myers-Briggs personality test is a BS like personality tests in general are BS concepts like no one can be boiled down to four different attributes it's like anagrams, anagrams, I don't know how to pronounce it, MTBI, and then there's the 16 personalities, I think those are the three major, oh, um, not zodiacs, what are they called? Are they called astrology? astrology or whatever, yeah. The, like, horoscope stuff. It's all fake. Like, I have, I hope you understand, it's all fake. I'm sorry to any astrology hoes out there. Astrology becoming a thing is interesting to me, because, like, why do you think this is, like, I understand, like, the interest behind tarot cards. And I do think that, like, yeah. tarot cards, readings... Because tarot cards are, like, something... It's, like, a mis- like supernatural, like, Ouija board-type aesthetic kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah. And I personally don't believe in it, but I do understand people who do, and I do understand why people get into it. I know some people get into it just because it's, like, a fun thing they think it is, and some people get very serious about it. But, like, no matter where you are on that gamut, it's like, okay, whatever. But it's when you believe in astrology and you think people can be divided into, like, a certain amount of types of people and that your decisions and your personality is based on, like, the stars and planets, which doesn't really make sense to me at all. I have, like, so many friends that are into astrology, so, like, I'm sorry to anyone who's watching this who is my friend who's into astrology, but I'm sure you've heard this from me already. Sometimes when people speak about astrology, it's almost like they're speaking a foreign language. They'll just, like, throw out words and, like, phrases that I'm like, I can't even, like, corroborate anything you're saying because it just sounds like foreign words. Like, I know all of these words separately, but in this order I do not understand. Because, like, they'll, like, know, like, their birth charts and, like, the time they were born and, like, the house that the, that they're Mercury. They're like, they're like, I'm Venus in house 10. I'm like, I don't. I do find it funny, though, when people say things like, is Mercury in, not Mercury, is Mercury in retrograde? And I'm like, who cares? Like, why does it matter? Is it Pluto? Isn't it Pluto? Pluto's Mercury. 
Maybe it's Mercury. It's one of them. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know. It, it be, I think it's Mercury. But there's, like, a website. My favorite is the website that's, like, is Mercury in retrograde? And then the answer is, like, yes or no. And it's, like, no. Find a different answer. It's just really interesting to me because people are, like, so obsessed with it. And I'm, like, but, like, does it, is it true? Or they're, like, your rising sign and your sun sign and your moon sign and... Like, I don't. I just do not understand. If anyone wants to know, I'm an Aquarius. Apparently, I'm, like, such an Aquarius. According to my friends that are into astrology, I'm such an Aquarius. I'm a Scorpio, and I'm not gonna lie, I've never related to any of the Scorpio things I've ever read. That's so funny. One of my best friends is a Scorpio, and she is the exact opposite of you. Like, if you took everything about you, flipped it, and made a person, that's her. That's funny. (laughs) And she's such a Scorpio. I'm sorry to my Scorpio friend who is listening because you are the one that I'm calling out right now. But like, I uh, astrology just confuses me. People who like look at their horoscopes every day and like, yeah, read fanfic or something. Do something more fun. I don't know why, but if I could pick another zodiac to be, I want to be a Capricorn, and I don't even know why. I just like Capricorn. No, actually, I think I do know why. It's because when I was in, like, sixth grade, I got really into Beyblade, but, like, not the original series. You have- I don't think you have any reference point for any of this. Dude, I've I've never been into Beyblade. I know what Beyblade is. I I was really into Beyblade, but specifically the Metal Saga, which is, um, Fusion, Fury- Oh my gosh, I feel like such a fake fan. I don't remember the other one. I think it's Masters, and then there's Shogun Steel- and so some of the Beyblade things were named after certain things, and I always thought the Capricorn one was super cool, and I don't remember the character, and I feel like a fake fan, because I used to know every single character name. Also, <laughs> if for reference, in sixth grade, this was not my personality, but like everyone in my class knew that my two favorite characters were Yu Tendo and Kyoya Tatagani. Every single person knew. <laughs> And one of my favorite episodes is still the one where they're in a foreign country. Like, okay, so one of the plot points in the third um, season, right, is that, I guess series, but in the third series, Utendo, he goes to a different country, I think, or he goes somewhere, and he is training by himself to become a better Beyblade person, and like a better blader, and then he goes there, and then Kiyoya, I think, stumbles upon him, And there's, like, two episodes dedicated to, like, the two of them having, like, not mischiefs, but, like, mischiefs in this other place. And it's two of my favorite episodes. Oh, my God. I'm way too obsessed with Beyblade. Like, people need to take me away. Like, I used to know every single character's name. The thing is, like, I can't even get, like, I can't even be, like, that's such, like, a weird thing to be into. Because in middle school is, like, I think when my Marvel, like, Marvel addiction really ramped up. And, like, I knew everything about the comics specifically in earth 616 comics i knew everything about it i watched the like animated series i watched the spider-man animated series of course i watched the movies and then was subsequently disappointed by said movies every time i watched all of the movies i was right it's metal fusion metal masters metal fury and shogun steel dear lord i forgot i was trying to remember the middle one but the middle one is metal masters and Oh my god. I'm, no, I was just thinking because I was like, who are my other favorite characters? Like, one of my favorite characters was Niall. And there's like an episode dedicated to Kiyoya. He's like in Africa. 
because like the second series is based on like this worldwide competition and so Kiyoyo doesn't doesn't join the Japanese team he joins the African team which I don't really know what the rules were for but it doesn't matter because I love all of them but then the <laughs> African team was my favorite because Kiyoya and Nayo were in there I watched that episode a lot too yeah, no, the only thing that I was into that was, like, Beyblade-esque was Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon, but, like, not even that much. It was, like, mainly just because my brother was into Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon, so I just, like, sat down and watched with him. I was him. very into, um, like, it was Beyblade, Yu-Gi-Oh!, Pokemon, and then Bakugan. I think there's another one, but I... I just really like Team Rocket and Pokemon, and then, like, Team Rocket left. I don't know when it happened, but, like, in one of the, like, the, like a new series came out for pokemon and team rocket like wasn't part of it and i was like what's the point i was like if team rocket isn't here why would i watch yeah i was into bakugan when i was a child like very young child i was i was still living in canada like that's how young i was i was still living in canada and i got very into bakugan and then i moved to california and when i moved to california i got very into pokemon i used to watch pokemon episodes as they came out and on the pokemon website they used to stream a ton of episodes i watched every single episode they would at some point they like finish streaming all of them and they only release a couple at a time right like i eventually watch all the episodes and then they repeated all of them and i watched i had already watched all of it like i'd watched so much pokemon as a child god that's king shit i was into Yu-Gi-Oh, but like i don't think i ever got past the first season i'm not gonna lie yeah, that's fair. I wasn't really into Yu-Gi-Oh! I just liked the battle sequences in Yu-Gi-Oh! I was like, I got my hidden card! What was it called? I don't know. They had, like, one card that was face down that, like, was always an OP card. My brother would always do it and then, like, pull out, like, a baseball bat and, like, beat me or something. Older brothers are fun. I don't remember what you're talking about, but, yeah, and then... What were we talking about? Oh, yeah, we were talking about how biases are, are personality. No, no, no. I don't know what you're talking about about the hidden card. Talk about the hidden card. Oh, no, they had, like, because, like, okay, they would, like, have, like, their, their thing, I suppose they had, like, their cards. They had, like, their cards, like, in their little, like, arm yeah. thing. And then they had, like, one that was, like, face down or something, but, like, they didn't know what it was. Or, like, either they didn't know or the other person didn't know what it was. Oh! Oh, okay, okay, I see. And they, like, pull it out. Yeah. I really liked, I don't know, see, the these, I liked Yu-Gi-Oh! because I had the Yu-Gi-Oh! cards. And so the fact that they used the cards in the show made me really happy. Because, like, Pokemon, they don't use the cards. You, like, had the cards, and they were, like, threw up the balls, so I didn't really care. Oh, okay. Well, we really diverged from K-pop, didn't we? I was a very white child. I grew up very white. Actually, no, I was really into any any Indian kids out there. I was really into the Amartya comics. The Indian Hindu mythology comics. That like everyone's parents wanted them to read because it was like Hindu mythology. My dance teacher wanted everyone to read them because at least had the stories of everything. I still have like two hundred comics from the Amritsar the comic series. So like any Indian kids out there, just like DM me, <laughs> we'll talk about it. There's like a three part like special edition Mahabharata comic. It's like three like big books. Like they aren't small either. They're like big books. It was like $60. I'm out here like ridiculous for $60 on CDs, whereas when I was a kid, I spent $60 on like comic books. But like, you know what? Whatever. At least I still read them. Yeah. No, but like when I was a child, I'm not, I'm going to say this. Everyone is going to hate me. You can honestly attack me because it's not going to affect my life at this point. But there's a lot of like white American TV shows that people were into that when they were a child, I've watched pretty much none of them. Kim Possible, I never watched. I'm so sad you haven't watched Kim Possible. Kim Possible is literally the best thing to ever happen. I didn't really watch Kim Possible because it was kind of like before my, like when I got into like TV. 
but I watched enough Kim Possible to like figure out that I was gay because the green girl, the girl, the villain, main villain in that show, Chef's Kiss, wonderful. What are other American TV shows? Sweet Life is that I didn't watch that. This is the way of really place. I've never watched that. Good luck, Charlie. Good luck, Charlie's kind of old. And, like, honestly, like, I'm not going to lie, not really worth it. I didn't it. watch that either, though. <laughs> Hannah Montana. Nope. That's so Raven. Nope. Corey in the House. Also kind of new, though. Kind of not I really. didn't watch that. Full House? Did you watch Full no. House? <laughs> I didn't watch Full House either. People berate me for that as well. I think Full House is a little bit... It came out before we would watch it, I think. I think it's before our time. No, it, did, it came out before, but still, like, everyone I know watched, like, all the white people I know watched Full House. I've watched, I've watched a lot of things, but the popular things that everyone considers, like, quintessential parts of their childhood, I've never watched. Which is really funny. Yeah, no, a lot of people consider Full House quintessential parts of their childhood. I've never watched it either. I've never heard that, so I don't know. And then, like, and then, like, on, what was her name? I don't know. One of the people from Full House, like, bribed her kid into use the USC or something. That was, she was one of the main people in it. Lori Loughlin, I think? Yeah. But, like, this is not to say that I did not watch a lot of TV growing up, because I think I watched a lot of TV growing up. <laughs> it's just not the ones that, like, Americans think are, like, the quintessential TV shows of their childhoods. I really didn't watch a lot of TV growing up, actually. Like, thinking back on it, I probably... The only reason I ever watched TV is because, like, my brother was watching TV. I had... When I was younger, we had this very old, like, boxy TV. But we're... Like, the thing is, like, we're technically Gen X. Or Gen X. Gen Z, right? Yeah, we're Gen Z. Except, like, a lot of the millennial stuff about, like, technology... Like, pop culture millennial stuff. I'm not talking about millennial experiences. Don't come at me. No, I've had millennials, like... But I've seen millennials like berate Gen Z for being like we understand like millennial culture, but like it's, just, it's like pop culture millennial stuff trickled down to where we are. Yeah, and it's also that it's also about wealth, but like that's a different story. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, true. But when I was younger, I had a, I had like one of those rooms. There was like a closet, but it was like one of those sliding doors, and like and it took up like the entire length, yeah. but it was like a sliding door. Yeah, I know China. Yeah, yeah. I like, I guess it's not really my room because I shared it with my sister, but like in my room. And so we had, I don't know how to explain it, but we had like one of those really boxy TVs. And so it was in the closet of my room because we got a new TV at some point that was like, a, it's a flat screen, but it's not the flat screen as we know it today, but it's a flat screen. And so I had like that TV in my room. So I would watch that TV like all the time. Like I watched TV way yeah, too see, much. We didn't have a TV. I didn't, I didn't have a TV for a while growing up because, oh God, I'm going to expose myself as a dumbass so quick. When I was younger, my parents let me into, like, their room, and they had one of those, like, fancy, like, cabinets where, like, the TV comes up from, like, the top of the cabinet, like, it flips up and the TV rises, but they hadn't installed the TV on the thing that rises, (laughs) the TV was just sitting on top of the cabinet, and me as a kid didn't realize that, and so I pressed the button on the remote to make the TV come up, or, like, to make the TV go down or whatever, I wanted to play with it. When the thing opened and the TV fell and just completely broke. Oh my gosh. So yeah. And then my dad kept that TV in his room for like at least a year. And every time someone would come over to my house, my dad would be like, look what my daughter did. Look what this dumbass did. Yeah. That didn't really happen to me. But my TV had an antenna. So that's how old that was. I had to like adjust the antenna when the thing got all fuzzy. We had a... Uh, no, we had... Me and my brother, the only gaming console we had for a while was the PS2. We had the PS2, and the PS3 had already come out, by the way. And the only thing I was allowed to do on the PS2, the only game I was allowed to play, was Dora the Explorer. 
Also, like, I think it says a lot that the only time I ever felt like I looked like someone on TV, it was Dora the Explorer, who is a Mexican child. It's funny. I didn't, I watched Dora the Explorer, but I watched the Chinese dub of it in which you learned English. <laughs> it's also the same with um Smurfs. I didn't watch Smurfs in the original language either, and I thought Smurfs was a Chinese thing because they all spoke Chinese. I've never watched Smurfs. I did play the Smurfs mobile game. I remember there was a movie, and the movie was okay, but I love the TV show so much. I used to watch Nihau Kailan. I love Nihau Kailan. <laughs> I used to watch that. I learned nothing. I still love coloring books from when I was into that. Really? Yeah. I used to watch her. I used to watch Dora, and my parents would get mad at me for not saying the Spanish words. Like, she'd be like, Come, I'm like, come on, like, be like, vamos, say vamos, and then, like, I, like, wouldn't say it, my mom, my parents would be like, why are you watching this show, and I was like, why am I being yelled at? Oh my gosh, I don't remember much about Nihal Kailan, though. I don't remember much about it either, I only remember the theme song, but I don't know how to sing it, I just know the animation for it. I remember the, um, Dragon Boat episode, that's what I remember from that. I don't remember any other episodes, but I remember the Dragon Boat I don't episode. remember even episodes. Oh, I watched Peppa Pig. I did not, but... Oh, I watched Pingu, too. I watched Pingu. I loved Pingu. Okay, I've watched Pingu, but I don't have... I have memories of watching it, but I don't remember watching it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I know what you're saying. Like, I have memories of watching Pingu, but I do not remember watching it at all. I loved Pingu. I loved Pingu so much. Pingu was my queen. So good. Okay, I feel like I'm the only one who remembers this. If anyone remembers this, hit me up. Peep and Quack. I think I know what you're talking about. Wait. It was like, we watched it in kindergarten. Like, my teacher always put it on for us in kindergarten. And it was like the little, like, red, like, the chick, like, chicken. And people's a chicken. And Quack was like a duck, and he was a big blue duck. Oh, no, and I watched like this. Robin? Was it Red Robin? No, I've definitely watched this. I remember this. Yeah, I every time I mention it to someone who went to kindergarten with me, they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, what do you mean you don't know what I'm talking about? It's called Peep and the Big Wide World. That's what it's called, Peep and the Big Wide World. And Peep and Quack are the main characters. I remember this. And so is Robin. Robin's also there. Robin really got shafted. <laughs> got, like, is Robin the... The the, the cardinal, the, the Robin. Or the cardinal or something. I don't know. She's red. She's a bird. I don't know what her name was. Is it called Chirp? I think so. Chirp is the other one. Yeah, yeah, Chirp is the Robin. I, like, vividly remember Peep and Quack episodes. Like, vividly remember. I know, like, whole episodes, which are, like, not that long, but still. I don't vividly remember it, but looking at the pictures, I have a vivid memory of seeing these. Do people not remember? No, like, I've asked people that, like, know, that, like, went to kindergarten with me, and, like, I remember being with them when we watched these, and, like, they, like, Okay, do you know Wawa Wubsy? Yes, I know Wawa okay, Wubsy. no one remembers Wawa Wubsy. And I'm just like, but I remember this so vividly. And also there was a game. Do you know the game? Worth the chicken eggs. No one remembers. And I'm so confused. So I was babysitting like these children the other day. We were watching, they were watching like TV on like Disney Channel or something. The song for like the kids toys advertisements came up. You know the song, like the same exact song. And, like, I wasn't in the room. I was, like, making them, like, grilled cheese or something, like, in the kitchen. And I, like, had PTSD war flashbacks. Like, I heard that and I was like, what is this? What is it? Um, I'm trying to remember what it's called now. Oh, my gosh. The last time I babysat, they were watching TV. And I was like, I'm sorry, but the shows that we had when we were children were just better. The shows that we had when we were kids, like, were weirdly, like, depressing. 
like that's so raven like half the episodes were about racism and body shaming in like high school like half the episodes that's a raven were like raven simone being like i'm not fat you're just a bitch like like see as i and cody like half the episodes were like about like cody being like stressed about school and zach being like school doesn't even matter no but like when we were children the shows were just better like i remember they were also like yeah they were just better we had like good characters also the animation was better like yeah it wasn't like i'm sorry but like 3d animation is just weird it's weird it's weird i'd rather have 2d good 2d animation is so much better than like okay 3d animation yeah you know what was really weird what I remember Wallace and Gromit so vividly, and, like, no one else was into Wallace and Gromit. Uh, the thing is, I can't remember the name, but I feel like I know what this is. It's, like, the guy and his, like, dog. I'm looking it up. Oh, my gosh! Wait! It's, like, the clay, yeah, yeah, clay, yeah, yeah. clay, clay, it's clay Wallace and Gromit clay, and then, um, the sheep. Yeah. And Sean the sheep. Yeah. I was obsessed with this. Yes, I love Wallace and Gromit, and, like, no one liked Wallace and Gromit, and I was like, but it's all good! To be fair, I think I was into the Shaun the Sheep franchise. I think it's, like, split into, like, Wallace and Gromit, and then Shaun so, the yeah. Sheep. So I was more into Shaun the Sheep, but I remember this. But, like, no one remembers Wallace and Gromit. Why? I was like, why? I don't know. They're iconic. No, I remember being super into Tom and Jerry. Like, I watched so many episodes of Tom and Jerry. I think everyone was, and then they deny it. Because me and one of my other friends... We were talking, and she accidentally got an HBO subscription, so she was talking about it, and they have Tom and Jerry on HBO. They have Tom and Jerry on HBO? HBO Max, at least. This is life-changing information. We were talking about Tom and Jerry, and she was asking me, and she was like, do you prefer Tom or Jerry? And she's like, your answer matters. And I gave her an answer about, I don't want to repeat it because it's going to take too long, but I was talking about how Jerry was my favorite character, and she was like, exactly. And then we got to this really long, deep conversation about the meaning behind Tom and Jerry. Have you seen the thing where it's like headcanon that Tom and Jerry, like Tom Tom doesn't actually want to get rid of Jerry. Tom and Jerry are actually best friends, but Tom has to act like he wants to get rid of Jerry so that his like his owner doesn't get a new cat to get rid of Jerry. So this is all just like an elaborate prank so that they can continue being friends. And I was like, this is the most pure cat cat I've ever seen for Tom and Jerry. I think it's partially true though. No, because like because the, then the other headcanons are like Tom's actually like a fine cat. Jerry's just a sadistic psychopath who wants to like psychologically destroy Tom or something. I don't know. I miss Tom and Jerry. I love Tom and Jerry. I was a strange kid too. I watched Charlie Chaplin, like in my job. I watched so much Charlie Chaplin. I don't know what that is. It's like the it's uh shoot you're, you're gonna get attacked. Not getting oh the it's like it's like the silent movie and he had like a little mustache. He had like a cane and he, he like walked around it was like funny like kind of slapstick comedy um and it was like silent black and white yeah no it nope you can attack me it's fine i don't i already listed all the things i do not know from your quintessential american childhood i didn't even have a quintessential american childhood because half of my american childhood was like the indian animation i can't remember what it was called like it literally it frustrates me to this day i've never been able to figure what it's called it's like the indian children's show and i remember one specific episode if anyone knows the episode i'm going to describe it now it's like a Hanuman episode, and he, like, sees the sun, and he gets the mango. It's, like, a very quintessential Hanuman story. And he sees the sun, and he thinks the mango, and he, like, goes up to the sun to try to try and get it. And then, like, that's the same episode. They go through, like, Hanuman's life, right? So, and then, like, in that episode, too, you meet, like, Ram. They make, like, the bridge across the sea to go, to, like, I don't know, attack Ravana and get his wife back. And, like, it's the Hanuman episode, and I know that so well, and I cannot remember... The animation for the life of me. It's like 2D animation. It's really good. It's like really bright colors. The dude's like, Hanuman's like kind of a monkey, but like not really. He's like a monkey human boy. But yeah, if anyone knows, 
I hope we're talking about children's TV shows now. How do we get here? I don't know. We'll listen back and figure it out. We were talking about this before, but a while ago, I got back into sort of Jimmy Neutron, and we were talking about how every single joke, in the at least in the first couple of episodes of Jimmy Neutron, like, made me laugh. And so I'm 90% sure that my sense of humor just comes from Jimmy Neutron. Because <laughs> every single joke made me laugh. And I was like, I do not understand why. <laughs> My sense of humor is, like, so messed up by the internet at this point. Like, it's literally just, like, you know that that meme where it's, like, me and the boys at 2 a.m. looking for beans? That's, like, literally my sense of humor. It's such a mess. It's, like, that video that was, like, memes in 2012 versus memes in 2019 or something. It's, like, that's literally it. That's literally it. Just, like, oversaturated pictures with just, like, stupid text and, like, weird shadow demons. That's my sense of humor. Or the one that's, like, I will buy America for two goat. At some point... I was thinking about Chowder, the TV show. I never watched Chowder. Chowder's so good. It's so good. But um, I never watched the last season, apparently, because I started watching the last season, and I was like, I don't remember any of this, and I remember pretty much every other episode but the last season. Everyone who's, like, into cartoons, like, people who are into cartoons, I haven't watched any of those cartoons. Like, I haven't watched, like, Steven Universe or Adventure Time or what are the other ones? Owl House is the new one. She-Ra, Infinity Train. I don't know. Okay, but, like, here's the thing. So many people are going to attack me for this, but after a certain age, if you're into children's cartoons, it gets a little bit weird. I agree. Cringe culture is dead. We're not making fun of anyone for any of their interests. Like, if you're into Homestuck still, like, good for you. But also, maybe you should reevaluate that decision. I do not share this opinion with Megana. I'm sorry, no, I'm joking. I don't actually know what Homestuck is. Like, I literally, like, I see it everywhere, and I honestly just, I do not understand it. You don't, you don't know what Homestuck is? I'm, okay. No, I know what it is. No, 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 Like, I know what it is. I just don't know what it is. Okay, the thing is, I had a friend at my art class, and she was very into Homestuck, so I know a lot about from her. Yeah, like, I, I've never known a single person who's into Homestuck or seen anyone who's, like, into Homestuck online. Like, it's always just peripheral. Interesting. Yeah, but cringe culture is dead. We're not making fun of anyone for any of their interests because... I've been made fun of for me not consuming mainstream things, and honestly, if you're into mainstream- I have a few friends that, like, haven't consumed mainstream things, but, like, for, like, BS reasons. For, like, what reasons? They're, but, like, their parents wouldn't let them, like, watch it. Like, she hasn't watched Mulan, she hasn't watched Pocahontas, she hasn't watched, like, any, like, Disney princess movies because they were, like, too inappropriate. I didn't watch Pocahontas because I wanted to watch Pocahontas. I watched it against my will because we had to watch it for school, and so she showed it to the entire class, and I was like, I do not want to be here, and the teacher was like, I do not care you're watching this movie, and I was like, thanks. That happened to do with Frozen, actually. I actually didn't watch Frozen until we had to watch it in school. I watched Frozen five times, okay? I know the pain. And one of the, I explained this to you once, but one time I watched it literally against my will. I've seen Frozen so many times. But if you watch, like, children cartoons, the way you interact with said children cartoons, please just interact with them in a good way. Because the weird thing about, like, children cartoon fandom is just so weirdly toxic. And I'm like, this is a child's cartoon. Like, you have to understand, there is a lot of toxicity, and I'm just like, but why? Like, you should be better than this. Because, like, even now when I watch, like, old cartoons from when I'm a young child, I still, like, approach it from the fact of, like, I liked this when I was younger, and I should treat it as if it's something, not like something from a long time ago, but, like, I should treat it as something for children. Yeah, I mean, like, I watched, recently I, like, rewatched like, episodes of Phineas and Ferb, 
because like I saw like some video on Tumblr and I was like, I want to watch it. And so like I watched it, but it was like a nostalgia thing more than anything else. Like it's not like I'm like into Phineas and Ferb still. Like I just. And like as much as I do not like the Hunger Games as a book, um, I'm sorry. Like it just. I've never read it, so. Okay, well, like, I just, personally, I just, I didn't really like the book itself. Like, I thought the story was very interesting, and I do like the way that, like, like, Suzanne Collins did, like, do a pretty good job of, like, making it not sanitized, but, like, there was no graphic murdering in it, you know? You did know that people were dying, but, like, you did not know, like, how they were dying for the most part. Sometimes you did, but even in the book, most of the deaths were very, like, indirect that you saw, at least. I, like, as I read all three books for The Hunger Games, and I have a poster. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just looked up and I was like, wait. <laughs> but like, I remember reading the book, The Hunger Games, and watching the movie are two very different experiences. Because like reading the book forces you, not forces you, but like, because it is like a YA book as a young adult book. And like, when you read it, it pushes you to the direction of questioning kind of like morality a little bit. It doesn't really force you to, it doesn't like say it outright. In my experience, it did, and it did push me to that. Maybe I'm just, like, weird. Maybe it's just because of, like, the way I interact with media. But it does make you think about, like, the Hunger Games as a thing and the consequences of that. Whereas watching the movie, you watch it, and you're like, oh, they won, yay. You know, like, it's, like, a very different experience. Yeah. And, again, this does come back to the fact that, like, film and TV oftentimes is written for entertainment value. That is not saying that, like, people aren't writing movies with the intent to say something because that is obviously true in some cases. Like, Jordan Peele, like, his movies obviously say something and he sets out to say something. But there are a lot of movies where, you know, it's just not that. <laughs> yeah, like, they're, like, they're, yeah. like, Michael Bay movies are for the explosions. Like, we know it, you know? Like, and I'm not saying that's bad. If you want to watch big explosions, gratuitous violence, go for it. Yeah, but as a whole, there is... Because, okay, yeah, because especially with, like, TV and movies, right, there is a incentive in this medium specifically to keep the viewer always entertained because if you're watching a TV show and it gets boring halfway through, someone will stop watching, they'll turn, they'll switch channels, and so there is an incentive to make it constantly entertaining and you can't really linger on something for too long, whereas in a book... It's a one-time purchase. You bought the book. You're already in it. Or, like, if you read halfway through people will read the rest just to see how it ends or, you know, maybe they don't. But when you're writing a book, you're trying to make sure that people keep reading, but also you have less of an incentive to make it mindless fun. Yeah, I feel like if you're reading a book for mindless fun, maybe you should get, maybe you should figure out what why you're doing that. Well, there are genres that accommodate- Cater to that more, but like even then, like if you look at genres that cater to like mindless fun and reading more- even those genres, like, are, like it's still more involved than watching a movie in that same genre. Like, if you read, like, a romant- rom-com book, like, there are rom-com books that, like, are just rom-coms, but, like, they're books. But, like, even then, like, reading that book is a viscerally different experience than watching a rom-com. Which isn't to say one is worse than the other, or one gives you more meaning than the other. It is dependent on how you interact with said thing. Yeah, it's just different. Like, it's, it's just different. Yeah. Um... This has been an hour of K-pop and an hour of children's TV shows and TV. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but okay. Then no, no. But while we're on this topic, right, of like mindless fun and all that, right? So this is something that me and Megan have talked about a lot. And it is that what we consider to be high art and what we consider to be mindless fun or like just there for entertainment value or things that we look down upon concerning 
media in general or generally things that girls like. Oh, yeah. Like, that's, like, a thing. I'm like, are we going back to K-pop yeah. now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, This is the connection pack. <laughs> Me making sure. Okay. Um, it's, like, definitely a thing that, like, the things that teenage girls like are considered lower. Or trash. They're considered trash. They're considered trash than, like, what, like, I don't know, 40-year-old men like, right? Um, Those who like the Beatles now. Because, like, now the Beatles are, like, this force in music. Like, classic. The Beatles. No one can beat the Beatles. Before, they were the Beatles. They were a teenage girl boy band. Yeah. Like, they were hot, and they were sexy, and the teenage girls loved them. Like, that was literally their thing. And, like... They were, like, One Direction. Oh, and One Direction. Yeah. Which, like, One Direction, they're not my type of music. I don't listen to One Direction. I'm not very into them. But they do make decent music. They are all very good singers. I, I listened to some of their newer stuff recently because my, my friends took my phone while we were driving. So I did listen to some of their newer music, and they're, like, good... They, they're all good singers. Harry Styles, wonderful singer. Matt Horn, wonderful singer. But, like, they're considered, like, you know, trash. You only like Shawn Mendes because he's hot. You don't like Shawn Mendes because he's good at singing, which he is genuinely very good at singing. And so, like, that's also, like, what K-pop does. And I think it's very funny because, like, there there are sources that I have seen that aren't... It isn't corroborated, like, isn't confirmed that K-pop bands and, like, management companies cater to this idea that, like, teenage girls are going to be underestimated. And if we cater to them in marketing, if we cater to them with, like, you know, like, the content we produce and, like, the type of, like, people that are on K-pop groups you know then like we can get more like press and more pull which like kind of is shown to kind of work with the whole black lives matter movement ramped up again in 2020 and like k-pop stands took to social media and like flooded like racist hashtags and racist apps and stuff with like k-pop fan cams obviously k-pop fans have like a very large social media presence it, again is another thing where it's kind of funny to me that like that happened during 2020, and then only once Dynamite came out, U.S. media was like, wow, K-pop's such a big thing. It's funny, because, like, I've noticed this when I, because I just got into K-pop, right? And I have an older brother, as we have mentioned earlier in this episode. I just recently got into K-pop, and I have an older brother. And sometimes me and my mom will watch these, like, K-pop videos, and my older brother will come down, and he, like, or, like, my dad will come out or something, or my older brother will come out, and they'll be like, you're only watching it because, like, they're hot and they can dance. I'm like, you know, honestly, fair. But also, that's a perfectly valid reason to like something. Yeah. It's like, you only like Megan, like, people only liked Megan Fox because she was hot, even though, like, she was, like, abused by the industry, but, like... Yeah, she's also bi. Yeah, like, she was, she was abused by the industry, but, like, why do you watch Victoria's Secret? Like, my, like I, I know guys that watch Victoria's Secret fashion show. Like, you also like them because they're hot. Like, I don't know why you're you're acting like it's a bad thing for teenage girls to like things because they're hot. Yeah, and it's weird, too, because I don't know if this is going to be true of K-pop, but it's probably going to be true that at some point, guys are going to get into K-pop. Oh, 100%. I, like, I like 100% think that's going to happen. And then it's going to become a serious thing that everyone talks about and analyzes. You know, it's going to become... It's just going to become a thing. Yeah. This is a trend of things that have happened in the past. Yeah, like Star Trek. But, like, even predating Star Trek, reading used to be a taboo. Because why would... Not reading, but, like, reading fiction. Yeah. People would be like, why would you want to sit down and read fiction? You're a crazy lady. Like, only crazy women read, like, fiction for fun. It's, like, the very big thing where it's, like, women can do anything until men get enjoyment out of it. Or women can do anything as, as until men until they can make money from it. And you see that in a lot of professions where it's like women are supposed to cook until they can be chefs because then it's all men. Like I. <laughs> or like the fashion industry, all the CEOs except for one are men. Yeah, like it's very frustrating. It's very frustrating in like the aspect of like fandom because it makes like these people. Because like I am someone who's very like I know singing technique very well and. 
I will talk about K-pop artists and singing and like what they're doing with their voice and like how like their voice is like very very nice. Like someone I'm, I'm going to talk about right now, V in BTS. He has a very nice voice. It's so it's really distinct. Like I think, no offense to like anyone who has other biases in BTS, but V's voice, honestly, in my opinion, is my favorite voice in BTS because he's like the most distinct and most personal voice I've heard. He has like a very dark voice and it's like very deep in his register, and. I will, like, talk about it, and, like, people will say, like, they're not, like, they're not doing anything, he's just a K-pop singer, and I know that to not be true, of, like, it's just confusing to me how that's a criticism, like, a singer isn't doing anything with their voice that they are doing, like, intentionally, and it's, like, obviously they're doing it, like, they're singing, I don't know why you think I'm not qualified to make it, make a judgment that they're, like, really I don't know, I'm not going to articulating, but like, it's confusing to me how people think that I'm not qualified to make a judgment on a K-pop group member's voice as to whether it's good or bad because their main demographic is teenage girls. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they're like, people only listen to him because he's hot. And I'm like, well, he also has a good voice. You wouldn't listen to someone who's hot who has a terrible voice. No matter how hot they were, it wouldn't happen. Yeah. And going back to what you said about Star Trek and fandom specifically, there can, there's like another whole discussion about transformational and affirmational fandom, and that is something I'm a little bit fuzzy on. I don't really know all the details of myself, but there is definitely something to be said about how fandom as we know it today started because of women that has now become, it's now part of like nerd culture, except nerd culture for men, because nerd culture does not pertain to women, which like include comics and Star Wars and Star Trek, and then... Marvel and, like, DC are all male nerd things, even though the original fans of Star Trek, which predates all of these, right? Maybe not comics, but it predates Star Wars and such. The movies, yeah, yeah. Is the fan... The only reason it was popular was because women watched the show. Like, no men were out there when the first season aired watching the show. Yeah. There's a, that's why there's only three seasons, because no one was watching the show but women. Yeah, like... Like, if women like something, if it's majority women like something, specifically, like, teenage girls, if majority teenage girls like something, it's seen as something that, like, doesn't have much merit in terms of, like, quality. Yeah, like, Twilight is a good yeah, example, like Twilight, too. Yeah, which, like, honestly, it's fair. Um, <laughs> I watched, okay, disclaimer about what I just said about Twilight, I've watched all three movies and I've read one of the books. I've not read all of the books, but I've read one of the books. When it comes to the movies, I feel very comfortable commenting on the quality of them. But, um, yeah, so... It's just very weird because if you look at the history of fandom, it is largely shaped by women and to this day it is still shaped by women. Also, it's like, it's confusing to me in terms of K-pop specifically because like K-pop is a multi-billion dollar industry at this point. Yeah. If Even if it is all teenage girls, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. (laughs) And it's also like, it's just like, I get like they're, like I get, I I don't get, like I don't get it. I don't know why I keep saying I get it. I don't get it. But like, I get that this has been a criticism for a while when it comes to, like, boy groups, because it's like, oh, they're all attractive, oh, you only like them because they're attractive, and it's like, but sure, their attractiveness does, like, I guess, like, is part of their brand as, like, K-pop idols, but, like, that's not the reason you listen to the music, because people listen to the music, they buy the CD albums. CDs do not have the videos on them. Yeah, and it's also, um, this also says something else that we're not going to get into very much, but fandom is essentially just community, and so this is also a way that other people can make friends and so I know this is a thing in the boy band the western boy band culture fandom thing in general but it is a lot of these teenage girls who are you know not very social at school or like don't have many friends and they make friends because of said thing and why is that wrong 
Yeah, like, why why would you, like, berate someone for liking something? That's literally, that's literally, like, the crux of it. Yeah. And also, like, it's also this idea that, like, just because something caters to women doesn't mean it's bad, you know? Like, just because something is catered towards a demographic that isn't straight white man. <laughs> yeah. Also, like, I will say for BTS specifically, like, people, like, at least me, and, like, I know a lot of people who are in, like, BTS fandom, and, like, even other fandoms, like, they don't watch the music videos just to look at their faces. Yes, that is part of it. I understand that. But, like, like Blood, Sweat, and Tears at BTS had a bunch of, like, art history references that people have broken down. BTS in general, which I know you don't like hearing about it, Phoebe, but BTS in general, like, their whole, like, music video has, like, a whole overarching storyline that people have, like, talked about and, like, made, like, essays about and written about. Okay, and the reason I don't like listening about it is because I have a thing about incomplete lore I guess so incomplete alternate reality games frustrate me because I just get obsessed over it and then it's like but there's no ending like I do not know what the result is so it's not that like I dislike the BTS oh yeah, yeah. it's not that it's not that you don't like BTS or anything it's just that aspect which it does stress me out too just a disclaimer it stresses me out but like the reason I got into K-pop was not because they were hot the reason I got into K-pop was because the like videos were highly produced that's literally the reason I was like I love the production of these videos also going back I feel like we have to end the episode soon but like this is such a oh, shame <laughs> but going back to the idea like, oh, it's because these people are hot. That also plays into something that is more difficult to talk about, and that is like yellow fever. Yeah. And how Asian men in particular are emasculated a lot in Western culture, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of inter interconnecting things that, that K-pop has a role in, and K-pop not commentates on, but like you can commentate about. This is not eloquent at all, but <laughs> it does play into a larger issue. Especially in the case of Yellow Fever, as someone who has experience in that in a lot of different ways. But then it also is a thing where I think we as a society are also trying to capitalize on in a way that's very weird. This is an attack on the upcoming movie Eleanor and Park, which do not, like, just... There's so much wrong with that. There's so much wrong. Like, the, the book is yeah, racist. No, that, that, mm, the, book, okay. the book is racist. Rainbow has never commented on the accusations about all the racist things in the book. She hired a Japanese director to direct a movie with a Korean main character, half Korean main character, I'm sorry, which is not great considering. Oh, so I, this is a little bit of a side note, but like, I've seen this like weird trend in YA books mainly by white authors, but, like, I'm not attacking anyone. Actually, I'm attacking one person in particular, but whatever. There's this, like, weird trend I've seen in YA books that are, like, recently coming out where they're, like, we're diverse, and it's it's almost always a biracial main character, and I'm, like, just make them white. Like, honestly, at this point, just make them white. That would have been less racist. Yeah. No, but, like, yeah, going back to Eleanor and Park, right, it is very weird that the movie is coming out now, and there's gonna be a half-Korean guy in the movie, and it's a white main character, like a white girl. Oh, yeah. And, like, Eleanor and Park is, wait, am I, I didn't ever, side note, I never read Eleanor and Park. I didn't read it, I just read um, a lot of criticism about it. Do you know, if, is it a romance? Yeah. Like, do they get, yeah, okay, that's one of the things that I, like, got, and I was, like, I saw a lot of criticism about, because it's, like, the fetishization, I didn't even say it right, the fetishization, I can't say it, of, like, biracial people, and it's, like, that feels really icky to me. Um, especially with all of the YA books that are coming out that are, like, diversity and it's, like, always a biracial main character. Yeah. And also, I don't know why Rainbow herself is writing this screenplay for 
Eleanor and Park. Like, you, there's criticism. There's very large criticism that is never being addressed, apparently, even though it's not even just against the... It's not... It's literally not even just against Park, right? Like, the criticism is not against Park. There's literally, like... Yeah, there's there's a lot. I haven't seen all of it. There's but very bad depiction of Black people in the book, too. Yeah, there's also that, like, other book, like, El- the Squirrels book, the magic one that you sent me. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, it's, like, the magic one where, like... Hey, oh! You know, it's, like, very overt. It's, like, very overt. The newest... There's a book that just came out. It's a fantasy book. It's called... I don't know what it's called, but it just, there's a book that just came out, and at some point they're talking about, like, locks and how people yeah. don't... People shouldn't have locks because they're magical creatures who will eat your brain or something yeah and like they can get in and anyway i think it says like almost i think it like implies it either implies or says it outright that like the reason they can do that is because it's dirty yeah and i was like that's so bad how did that get published the thing is it's also not relevant to the rest of the book which is oh yeah it's just like an insert like it's not even like and also the main character the main character is biracial The main character is half Indian, I think. Half Indian, half British. Um, She doesn't wash, apparently. Like, she hates taking showers and, like, baths in the book. And it's, like, a part of her character. And everyone is like, why? No, um, and then I I saw someone say that I'm not... Again, I didn't read this book either. But I saw someone say that, like, the author grouped Hindi and Mandarin. Or Hindi and Chinese or Mandarin or whatever. With, like, Latin and Greek or something. With, like, dead languages. Okay, I didn't, I don't know about that, but what? Someone said that. I'm not sure how true it is. I'm not sure how, how explicit that was, but um, apparently that was a thing. Yeah, there's, um, there was a lot of problems with this book. And it, unfortunately, like, I'm not surprised. Yeah, like, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> I don't like it when authors, okay, one of the, okay, I, I don't think I explained this earlier. I don't like it when authors use biracial main characters as a diversity selling point. If, when this is generally the case that I've seen, if they're not going to tap into any of their culture that isn't white. Yeah. Because almost always it's like they're biracial, but they were born in the U.S. or they were born in the U.K., so they don't know anything about their culture. Another thing that they'll do is their parent who is not white will either be dead or, like, divorced and they don't talk to them. Or another thing is they will... What is the, what is it called? They'll, do, they'll, like, do this thing where, like, at some point in the book their race comes up and then it's... Like, they'll do it for, like, the diversity point, right? Like, their race comes up and it is an issue and it's, like... But, like, is it... And it's, like, no, and, like, that's also, like, even more frustrating because they, like, act, like, because they're biracial, they don't tap into their other heritage. Or it's either that or it's, like, because they grew up in America or because they grew up in Europe. they That's why they don't tap into their other heritage, which is, like, so false. Because, like, yeah, there's, like, communities everywhere for every, like, especially in, like, the U.S. and, like, Europe and, like, the U.K. one bothered me because I, it was, like, it was, she was half Indian and she was in the U.K. And, there, and then the author was, like, she didn't know anyone. Who, and I was like, there's so many communities for, like, Indian people in the UK. Like, there's there's no reason. It's weird because it's almost like, it's not almost like, white people just don't understand what it's like to grow up as another race. I'm 100% Chinese, right? Growing up in Western countries as a Chinese person, we still feel the exact same way when people insult us because of our race. And then it's like, well, I'm American, right? Yeah, like, I'm 100% Indian. And it's very complicated because the biracial character will always be like, but I've never, I don't know my other heritage. I'm, I've grown up in this country. Like, why are they saying this against me? And it's like, that's not a biracial thing necessarily. Yeah, like, that's just like a thing when you grow up in a country that is just not ethnically yours, you know? (laughs) And then, and also, here's the thing. 
this is not true of all biracial people, but like biracial people run the gamut, right? In one of my friends' case, she's half Japanese. And in fact, people make fun of her because she's into Japanese culture because her, her mom is Japanese. And so she knows a lot about Japanese culture and she like uses chopsticks and stuff. And people will like say things about her because she looks white. Yeah. They're like, why are you appropriating Japanese culture? And she's like, I'm half Japanese. Like my mom is Japanese. I don't understand. Yeah. But, like, it's just like, it's so like one dimensional too. Cause it's like, I feel like most of these characters also because they're YA protagonists. YA protagonists do have like a general personality that like a lot of them do share. No hate, but like it is true. And a lot of them tend to have like the same like driven like curiosity that is required of them to be a part of this book. But I think a biracial YA protagonist also would not just be okay with not knowing anything about their other culture. Yeah. You know? And then it gets weird, too, when white authors are writing biracial characters and then getting diversity points, and then they're taking away from, you know, actual people of color and authors of color who want to write these characters, but they're not allowed to because all the white people are getting the attention. Um, There is an author, I'm going to screw up her last name, Justine Vlar, I don't know, I can spell it. Um, Where's her book? On my shelf. I have her book because it's really good. Um, Okay, Justine... L-A-R-B-A-L-E-S-T-I-E-R. The book I have is My Sister Rosa. It's very good. I used to read it every single year. But um, I think she has a post on her website where she talks about how she will no longer write non-white characters if they're the only, like, they're the, if they're the only protagonist, like, if they're the only character with a point of view in the book. And that's not to say that her books are not diverse because in My Sister Rosa, right, the love interest is black Another one of the main characters is Korean, but like the main character is white. And the reason she cited at least, you should just read the post, but like the reason she cited at least was that she didn't want to take away from other people. And also she's never going to be able to write the true experience. Yeah, it's just like weird. Like just like at a base level, I feel like it's just terrain. And it's not to say that like you can't write someone who doesn't share a similar experience to you. But it is, you have to do more research. You have to listen to criticism. Yeah. I feel like it's very obvious that, like, a lot of the ones that I've seen, at least, a lot of these authors are doing it for, like, diversity points. Like, oh, look what I did. Yeah, and it's also that some of the time it's not harmful depictions. And in that case, it becomes, like, at least it's not harmful at that point, right? But then sometimes there are harmful depictions. And so it's, like, get sensitivity readers. Specifically with, like, the biracial characters who do not tap into, like, their other heritage at all. It bothers me also because it's, like, this weird, like, subtle, I don't know, at least in my opinion, like, what I felt when I, like, read one book that was, read, like, a few books that were like that. In my opinion, when I read that, it did feel, like, very much like that. And maybe I felt more because I read three of those books and then I was like, I should just stop. Um, And two of the three were half Indian characters. And maybe I just felt it more because I am Indian. And so, like, it felt, like, very much, like, that part of their culture, like, wasn't as important because they grew up in, like, the U.S., which is, like, yes, growing up in the U.S., I do have a very different, like, experience than someone growing up in India, just, like, as it is. And, like, growing up in the U.S., yes, like, I don't, interact with my culture as much as I like would like to or as I would if I like grew up in India but like that that's not to say that I do not actively engage with my culture like I'm not yeah you know like I don't ignore it um and I would really like to learn more about it like it's not like I'm just like oh I'm in the U.S. so it doesn't matter anymore because obviously it does matter yeah yeah it is weird because it's just a very weird trend of 
we need diverse books but it's also like and it's like normalized it's like because i'm white i can write a biracial character which is like such a weird thing and also biracial people are not always half white (laughs) yeah also like that's also a thing it's like you think just because they're biracial doesn't mean they have to be half white it's very weird it's like they don't have to be just half white and it's not even like fan fiction where no one is getting paid you're yeah you're getting paid paid and you're not really making the effort and yeah you can write your interesting stories like you can write interesting stories with a white main character like no one's berating you for writing white main characters when you are white you know like like you can do like justine i can't say her last name like she writes white main characters that still have a diverse cast in her book that is like a good book like you can still do that you don't need to do like this diversity brownie point situation yeah where you have to have a you know person of color as your protagonist and also i understand like when you're writing a book you can't just have the character's race be ambiguous because obviously a person's race plays into how they live. But also at this point, I would rather have ambiguous protagonists than explicitly like biracial characters. Oh yeah, no, Um, actually, actually, stop, not stop, but like also is it necessary to make their race a really big deal in like fantasy books that do not take place in the real world? Is that a necessary situation to have? I do not think so. Just make your fantasy characters ethnically ambiguous too. <laughs> Yeah, like, okay, no, I'm gonna go back to Shira, but Glimmer is not Asian. Like, I'm sorry, but, like, I don't know what the argument is. Like, first of all, her skin is- Also, Shira, that's another one. I'm sorry, Shira's in a different universe. I understand, like, movies and TVs, you want to have, like, a diverse cast, like, that's, like, a thing. Yeah, but this episode has gotten very long. But this episode has gone too long. So, this was the third episode of- Let's start digging. I'm Phoebe. I'm Megana. And thank you for listening. Next week, I get to pick the topic. And as I've established with Megana many times over text, I have no idea what I'm going to pick. For different issues than Megana. <laughs> we have different issues as to why we can't pick topics. Now place your bets on whether we'll end on time at all ever this season. We try. Okay, for reference, in the pilot, we said that we're going to set a two-hour t- timer. But then what ha- that has become is less at 150 let's start wrapping things up it's become oh shoot it's two hours and then we spent half an hour wrapping things up we, we spent half an hour talking it is 2 30 right now by the way our recording has been two hours yeah. and 30 minutes so um thanks for listening though we're gonna end the episode now so thanks for listening stay tuned to after for an outtake and we will see you next week goodbye Yeah, at my Indian cousins who made me watch The Human Centipede when I was 12 years old. Which The Human Centipede, first of all, should not be watched by anyone. <laughs> especially not if you're over, like, if you're under the age of 16, do not watch The Human Centipede. It is disgusting. It is nasty. It has traumatized me for life. I will never be able to get that movie out of my head. And at parents, don't make your kids feel bad for watching R-rated things when their cousins force them into it.